Nick, uh, I just got the results back and you have a huge prostate. Yes! Yes! Huge! Hey guys, Nick Drosos, Andrew Steinberg, and welcome to another episode of Have the Balls to, to Talk, talk about, about It. So Andrew, what are we going to talk about today? Today we are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, BPH. Okay, what does that mean? Right, so BPH is benign prostatic hyperplasia. It's okay. the benign, the enlargement of the prostate, which happens in men. Okay. Um, so, you know, this is probably less on the minds of an 18 year old and more okay. in the minds of guys uh, 40 and, and older. Okay. But what happens with time is the prostate grows slowly in every man. Okay. Like your hair grows silver. So this is not like, this, this is This is not standard. Cancer. This is standard, your prostate This is not large. cancer. Okay. The prostate grows with men. Okay. Every man. Some it grows faster, some it grows slower. And uh, if you just look at the uh, anatomy of the prostate, and where it is. So um, the urine starts in the bladder and it flows right in the middle of the prostate, okay? So uh, as the prostate grows, it can block the urinary canal before it goes into the penis, right. okay? And this can cause problems. Okay. And this can cause urinary problems. So what happens, the prostate grows and, and as I said, blocks the tube and can cause a variety of symptoms such as having to pee often you know, it's counterintuitive. Why, if you're blocked, you pee more often? Well, it's, it's the bladder becoming more active okay. as it's getting angry because it's being blocked. So you get a blockage and you've got the bladder pumping and people are, you know, men are running to the bathroom, particularly at nighttime, they'll wake up three or four times at nighttime wow. as opposed to none or, or once, is, which is the average. Uh, they may have difficulty to pee, you know, have to push it out. They can see their friend at the, at the Bell Center watching a hockey game and they're, you know, done emptying their bladder in 15 seconds and you're sitting there for 45 seconds as it's stripping out and the last strips are on your, on your shoes. <laughs> so those are all signs and symptoms of, a, of a, an enlarged prostate. Uh, sometimes it can burn a little bit. Uh, pain is usually not associated with enlargement. Uh, if you do have pain, you've got to be thinking other things, maybe an infection or, or maybe a chronic prostatitis. Every man has an enlarged prostate, but not every man has uh, symptoms of an enlarged prostate. Okay. And the symptoms are because of the size where it blocks and also because of the tone of the prostate. Just like the tone in the blood vessels when they clamp down give you high blood pressure, those same uh, receptors can cause a clamping down in the prostate. Uh, why do some people with big prostates have no symptoms and some people with little prostates have, have big symptoms or lots of symptoms? We don't know particularly that, but, uh, but that can be seen. So it's not, a, it's not a, a correlation between the size of the prostate and the symptoms right. that you have. Uh, I get patients who are referred from family doctors for enlarged prostate. Then yeah. um, I say, well, do you have any trouble to pee? Do you have any trouble with this or that? And they're like, no, I feel perfectly normal. Well. Thanks for coming, but uh, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like big ears. If you don't, they don't bother you, you don't have to treat them. When should somebody get that checked? So the, the, the reason why it should be checked either by a urologist or by the family doctor is one, if it's bothering you. Okay. If you're waking up four times a night and you can't function during the day, uh, or if you're running to the bathroom, you can't sit through a movie, 
Uh, if you have any other symptoms that go with it, which are concerning, burning, uh, pain, blood in the urine, uh, really difficulty to get it out, you're near blocking completely. Uh, these are some of the other or sort of so more all that is that your prostate's enlarged. Uh, typically, typically okay. which will take us to the next topic of, of what causes these symptoms. Yeah. And, and enlarged prostate is, is the most common cause of these symptoms in men. But there are many causes of these symptoms, and that's why your doctor has to look into it and, and see what's actually causing before they go and, and treat it. So besides an enlarged prostate, many medications can cause similar symptoms oh, wow. uh, for high blood pressure, produces more urine, uh, even lifestyle. Uh, I had a guy who come in and, and sent, he'd seen three urologists. They couldn't figure out why he was peeing six times a nighttime. And I finally looked at him and said, well, uh, do you drink coffee? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many cups do you drink? About 12. Like, <laughs> I, I, you drink, you know, 12, 12 cups, cups of, of coffee, coffee a day yeah. and, and you're asking why you're peeing too much. Yeah, that's true. Cut down your coffee and uh, let's see what happens. He came, he literally came back to me a week later and said, doctor, I love you. You saved my life. <laughs> I said, I saw just, four doctors before and no one ever figured it out. So wow, just lifestyle changes, absolutely. alcohol at nighttime, uh, caffeine. Um, Caffeine are irritants, spicy foods sometimes are irritants, oh. certain medications, uh, cold medications actually. Some okay. men have difficulty when they do those pumps in the nose okay. because those things that open up the blood vessels so you can breathe easier actually clamp down the prostate. Oh, if you wow. read on the box it said men with prostate issues, uh, consult your doctor before you take it. So uh, other different lifestyle things and diet can definitely affect it. Stress, bladder, stress. Stress for sure. Yeah. Stress for two reasons. One, the bladder becomes overactive and two, you also produce more urine when you're stressed. Okay. Does the prostate affect your sexual drive or anything to do with that? Um, th there is some overlap. It's the same population, older as you get older, people have bigger prostates and urinary symptoms and, uh, and also erectile dysfunction. Uh, there's not really much there on a direct cause of one or the other, but there is significant overlap, which will be, I'll, I'll touch on later when we talk about treatment a little bit, because okay. you can treat both of them with one medication. Okay. Um, so aside from uh, the bladder can become overactive just on its own. Uh, you see that in women, they have all the same symptoms, but they obviously don't have a prostate. So you can have what's called an overactive bladder. Just your mm. bladder contracting, contracting, and different medication. And if we think the prostate's the problem. Uh, in rare cases, uh, prostate cancer is the cause. So you need to, you need to have that ruled out. Um, people come into my office worrying and worrying and worrying. And in the end, I, I realized they're not really worried about or bothered by the symptoms. They just think they have cancer. Yeah. So it's rare to pick up cancer as the cause of these symptoms. So I don't think people should be running around every time they wake up twice at nighttime and say, oh my God, I got prostate cancer. I got to see my doctor, but definitely something to keep at the back of their mind. Uh, certainly their, their family doctor, uh, when they're, you know, working them up for these symptoms, or if there's any strong family history, uh, it should be, it should be looked into. When you come see your doctor, they'll probably ask you for some simple urine test, blood test for prostate cancer. They may, they should feel your prostate to see if they can feel for prostate cancer, simple rectal examination. It's as simple as that. Like they could feel right away just through the rectal it's, exam. It's, uh, it's not perfect okay. as an exam and you can miss a lot, but if there's anything major happening, they'll, they'll feel it. They'll feel it. Okay. Um, and there's other tests that we do. Uh, depending on what the symptoms are and if there's any other. Like I said, if someone has these symptoms with blood in their urine, mm. where well, they're going to ask for a CAT scan, they're going to do a little cystoscopy, a little camera into the penis uh, to see what's going on. They may do this test where they can actually uh, 
Sounds funny, but we, we get you to pee into a toilet, which is attached onto a computer, and it measures the flow. And yeah. So there's all sorts of things that we can do. Very few of them are necessary in your average patient with an enlarged prostate and, and so, some symptoms. So it's really a, typically an easy, easy workup, if you want. Uh, and then we go into, into, into treatments. And treatments are, there's many treatments, depending on, on what's the worst part of the symptoms and, and what the workup shows. Um, and many people don't have to be treated. Some people have horrible symptoms, but not much botherness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wake up five times a night, but I fall back asleep. Okay. And, you know, and, then, and then the guy after him will come in and say, well, you know, I, I can't make it through a movie, so uh, my life is ruined because I love to go see movies. Wow. So it's, it's, you have to look at the degree of symptoms, but also the degree of botherness, how much well, it bothers good point, them. Good point. Um, so there's very few times where we actually have to treat. The reasons why we have to treat if it's starting to affect your quality of life, but also your life. So if you're blocked and you're not emptying your bladder, that can cause damage to the kidneys. Oh, that's true. So that's a complication of enlarged prostate. Or recurrent bladder infections. You're not emptying your bladder, urine just sits there, and you're more prone to get an infection. Mm. So these are some of the reasons why we have to treat. Uh, treatments are, are, are typically effective. Uh, medical treatments. We have a group of medications which relax the prostate okay. and uh, you know open up the, uh, the passageway while you pee and uh, can Flomax, uh, Zatrol, uh, Rapaflow, so there's many medications in that, in that group uh, which are very effective. Usually that's the first line of medication. Okay. We have medications which shrink the prostate. Okay. Avidart and Proscar are the two most common ones and uh, they shrink at the hormonal level. They block some of the hormones that are working on the prostate. Uh, very effective over time, but take months to work. And because they block the hormones in a certain aspect, they can cause sexual side effects. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's not, actually, these, these are medications which aren't only for the prostate. I don't know if you ever heard of Propecia. Yeah, Propecia hair, for, yeah. for hair growth. Yeah. That's actually a smaller dose of Proscar, which we use for the prostate. Okay. So works well for the hair, but it can cause some sexual side effects, uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, or even just a, a, less, uh, a lessening of the sex drive, libido. Uh, so those are the two commonest medications which we act on the prostate. Surprising one, which is a medication which has come up to treat the prostate in the last couple of years was Cialis. For so, real? Yeah. So the same medication which we use for erectile dysfunction can be as effective as some of those other medications I mentioned when taken a small dose every day. Okay. Not like we take it for erectile dysfunction, uh, although some people do take it that way, but it's a small dose, five milligrams instead of 20 milligrams, you take a small dose every day. And those are good in people that don't tolerate the conventional medications for okay. whatever side effects. And also people who have, as we said before, an enlarged prostate and erectile dysfunction. Okay. We can treat two birds with one stone. So that's effective. There are medications which relax the bladder as well for those who have really symptoms of not difficulty to get the urine out, but really what we call overactive bladder, unstable bladder, they're, they're running. So there are medications which can relax the bladder and, uh, and, and really one of the common bothers is people who pee at nighttime. There are medications which it's, it's a hormonal, it's the same medication we give to bedwetters. It's, it's a medication which holds back the urine production in the okay. kidneys. Wow and you produce less at nighttime and more during the day. So many options. And ultimately, if you're having complications or these medications are not working, then there's surgical techniques, um, which is basically going in through the penis and scraping out the prostate. 
with a little uh, little uh, loop uh, or laser. I, I mean, any sort of energy that's ever known to man has been tried on the prostate. Freezing it, burning it, laser, microwave, injecting alcohol, uh, they all seem to work some. What is, what is then, you know, I'm, I'm listening to all this, what can I do? Is there anything I can do in my daily life to eat or is there anything that will keep my prostate healthy? So there's a lot of myths out there. Okay. Uh, there are some things which seem to be holding uh, the test of time, which is uh, lycopenes. Okay. Uh, lycopenes is found in processed tomatoes. Okay. So not necessarily, uh, well, it's found in whole tomatoes, but processed, it brings processing tomatoes by cooking them actually brings it out. Tomato sauce has higher concentrations than that. Okay. Um, so whether that helps for an enlarged prostate or, uh, or a, um, or just prostate cancer, it's not 100% clear, but there may be some, some benefit in, in lycopenes. Uh, there are certain nutrients in zinc and selenium, which again may have, there's conflicting studies yeah, on that. That's it. Like, like, like everything we do, yeah. a lot of conflicting studies. Pumpkin seeds, uh, some say. There's something called sal palmetto, okay. which you may have heard of, natural product, but uh, recent studies have shown no benefit. Although I have oh, patients wow. who come in and say, I'm on that, it's like a miracle thing. So. You got could to be a placebo uh, effect in the mind. Obviously, huge, there's, there's huge placebo effect in some of these things. So, uh, does exercise do anything? Exercise does... has no direct effect on the prostate, but again, uh, and I keep saying this to my patients, and, and when we talk here, that you know the heart is always uh, much more danger to you than the prostate is. Okay. Whether it be difficulty to pee or heart, prostate cancer, you're more likely to die from a heart attack. Oh. So. When people want health advice and, and, and lifestyle changes, do what's good for the heart. Uh, like Eat well, that. exercise, yeah. it's good for the heart, it's good for the erections. Um, so, but nothing particularly that's gonna target the, the prostate. And when should you get it checked? So people watching, you know, is there an, what's, what's the age that's? These are, so we're talking about prostate cancer screening and we're gonna do a whole show on that. Yeah. We can probably do a four hour show on that because it's, it's very controversial. Uh, but if you want uh, Andrew Steinberg's guidelines on uh, whatever day it is, 2018, um, any man who has problems, you know, they should check the prostate and, and urinary problems and pain and so on. Uh, any man with a strong family history of prostate cancer, your father had it at the age of 49 and your grandfather died from it and, and so yeah. on. Not your second cousin's husband's brother <laughs> might have had it. That's, that, that's not a family history. <laughs> um, and uh, and those again, it's controversial. But let's say between the age of forty and fifty, you should have your prostate okay. checked. And then um, let's say between the age of fifty and seventy, you should have your prostate checked if you want. The newest guidelines saying to discuss all the risks and benefits with your patients about what screening can do and can't do and how many lives they can save for how many patients screen. Uh, so it's, uh, I assume they want us to have an hour conversation with every patient, but typically what I suggest is between the age of 50 and 70, have a rectal examination and a PSA blood test uh, and follow that uh, wow. yearly or every two years if your value is uh, really low. And, uh, but again, that's really uh, a can of worms and uh, we'll, we'll save that for another, another show. Awesome. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know if you have any questions, any comments, 
Anything that you want to add or miss or you want us to talk? Ideas for, for another show yeah. about getting more in depth into one of these things that we talked about today. Because, you know, in everything that Andrew t talks about, there's like so much more in depth that we can get into. But And don't yeah. mistake this for medical advice. This is for information yeah, purposes only. Very important. Yeah. So uh, if you do have real important or real issues, uh, health issues, see your doctor. See your doctor. Good. So and, guys... Uh, have the balls to talk about it. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Squeezing my balls there. Squeeze, yeah, <laughs> give them to me. 